This is one with a molar ice zap. <laughs> Grace under fire. A blockage on Talisage and Grindleford line e-bag. The false prophecies of Nostraldamus. And a whole lot of jam and string. It's called The Woman Who Fell to Earth. Here we, Here go. we go. Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel's hair. Dalek Cyber Zood and wow! Counting Sonic's rating out. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whitaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join, Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? Ladies and gentlemen, and all in between, and indeed beyond, welcome to another episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Dogpast. Aye. (laughs) (laughs) That guy who's agreeing with me is my co-host tonight. It's the Magnificent Leon. Well, hello there. Yes, it is I. Hello, Drew. Hello, Podcast Land. Hello, Leon. And I am Drew, and I am the the main host, and we are the only two tonight, um, because, wouldn't you know, on the uh, first episode we have, starring a female doctor, Paul Marie has gone and got a terrible headache and had to sit out this recording. Yeah, would you... (laughs) Don't read anything into it, Podcast Land. <laughs> it is purely circumstance. Yes. And um, Marie, if you're listening, I hope you're feeling better. Yeah. I hope you're better already, but just too lazy to get on the call. But that's fine <laughs> in a way, Podcast Land, because we want to draw your attention to the fact that we have all already reviewed this. Me, that's Leon, right. Marie, and Jim. That's right. Back in 2018, we did an instant reaction review. And last I listened year. to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last year. <laughs> L- last year, but one tops. and uh i can tell you that it was fantastic and the energy in the room was just off the charts because we were so buzzed at having a female doctor and we looked forward with optimism to the rest of her run so go back and listen to that oh please do i mean that's not to say that we're not going to be looking forward with optimism to the rest of her run tonight we may very well be filled with exuberant energy and and uh, and indeed optimism uh, who knows time will tell yes but we're older and more somber necessarily so i'm just saying go back and give our youth a spin that's right yes please and when you come back tell us the secret to regaining it anyway let's <laughs> move on leon high level you liked it back then i liked it back then did you like it this time as well high level drew yeah high level i liked it i liked it back now nice yeah surprise surprise all you people out there who thought i'd be hating on this episode like it's nobody's business no i really enjoyed it and i literally watched it just a moment ago (laughs) (laughs) yeah how dare you be misled by two to three years of leon's increasingly chagrined pronouncements That's on you, Podcast Land. (laughs) How about yourself, Drew? Talking crane arm level here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking this was a pretty good introductory episode. It seemed as though our cup of exuberance overfloweth. (laughs) This is quite promising. Careful, because we might have to, you know, make that stretch. (laughs) (laughs) now knowing what we know anyway so that you can share in our knowledge podcast land we're gonna treat you with a b-scale oh what a suggestion Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bicycle chunk of who. 
Bite-sized chunk of who? Dyspraxic wannabe mechanic Ryan Sinclair crosses paths with one of his old schoolmates, underused probationary copper Yasmin Khan, after he high-fives the wrong electronic consent form, crackling threateningly away underneath his local bike-eating tree in the Peak District. Meanwhile, Ryan's ex-nurse Nan Grace and ex-bus driver but still cheeky geezer not Grandad Graham have their TMI-PDA train ride interrupted by a technologized version of the Scribble from Fear Her, which implants DNA bombs in everyone's neck. Should have read the T's and C's, Ryan. One such neck, though, belongs to the 13th Doctor, no longer a white-haired Scot, but a kick-ass Yorkshire lass who can't remember what a tongue is, but knows she always helps those in bother. Now this embryonic fam must unite to foil Tim Shaw, knobbly-headed Stenza knobhead. B-Scout over. over. <laughs> you are welcome. Aren't you and we and all of us just? Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. Can I ask, before we jump into the fray, are you able to set aside everything that you know is going to befall the fam and uh, how their all, all of their respective character arcs will or will not <laughs> develop and simply view this episode as though for the first time? In a sense, I can definitely see where the promise remained unfulfilled and I will point that out. Maybe on okay. multiple occasions. But that doesn't <laughs> mean i'm gonna rate this episode any lower because i think this one did the job and if there are any failings to be found it will be in later weeks you know what i would second that absolutely this episode clarifies that there was no there was no need for it to go astray there is a lot of potential which we recognized whenever this was four years ago that we recorded it when when it aired when we recorded our our initial reaction but everyone is capable to some extent of fulfilling that potential well possibly because maybe with one exception sorry carry on (laughs) oh that's so interesting because i have one exception as well okay let's say his name on three his name so it's an actor (laughs) yeah okay i don't know his name i i know the character's name let's just say his character's name on three one two three Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. Ryan! Oh, there you go. <laughs> Ryan, uh, what's his name? He can't act. Tosin Cole. That's him. I'm sorry, he cannot act or he was terribly directed in this. Well, they gave him a lot of one-on-one time with the camera. Yeah. And... Well, I tell you what, he delivered in the first five seconds, but then once you knew what he was talking about 58 minutes later, you were like, this isn't enough. No, not at all. And who's recommended that he do this? I mean, really what we should start with is the 13th Doctor, but before we do, since well, we're talking you, about him we should start with. vlog. Yeah, sorry. No, we, we should start with the fact that this is episode N145, The Woman Who Fell to Earth, because I forgot to say it. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> because this this episode on screen didn't have a title sequence and so that's, right. that's what i was doing it was it was an imitation of that podcast land but exactly. i thought i thought why continue with this silly game I, yeah. I, i'm sure you were all perceiving that and on board but just for the, the slower I, people in the audience and if i forgot to copy paste in the intro theme of who back when at the head of this episode uh, that's why it was all deliberate uh, what i was going to say was to say, <laughs> since we've not started with the 13th doctor we've started with his deplorable blog i would like to point out that that uh, what I said in the last bonus episode just a week ago, whenever it was, um, that I started re-watching Sherlock. Uh-huh. And that also starts with something that is similarly baffling to me. You know how they, they've taken Watson. He's no longer writing you know, for periodicals. He's no longer mm. writing the case files of Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. He's blogging. 
And the yeah. shrink tells him to do so. But for whom is he blogging? Like, for no one. Why would anyone want to read John Watson's blog? John Watson is a nobody at this point. So why is Ryan vlogging very personal details on YouTube, of all places, where we get 19 hits? <laughs> well, I mean... One is him, because he is re-watching himself. <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. Yeah. Because the view there, I've never done a live recording on YouTube, but the view that we get to see of him is like, it's the whole UI, it's the YouTube UI, and it has all the recommendations. Oh, you're probably going to like this as well, and it's all just how to vlog, and how to succeed in vlogging, and blah, blah. Like, those are all the recommendations. Oh, right. And it seems very much like this is him watching his own vlog. So he is one of those 19 hits. Yes, and what has happened is you've already answered your own question, he has gone to a grief counsellor, a shrink, whatever, and they've said, get it on the screen. And that's what he's done, and he's checking that it's recorded correctly. Right, so I think that grief counsellor should be fired, like, immediately, because that grief counsellor clearly has never read a comment section on the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, the, what the grief counsellor said was, you think you got problems, buddy? Just wait until the YouTube comments kick in, and yeah. you realise you were doing fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is, you're right, that is more likely than them saying, yeah, yeah, no, you should absolutely vlog on YouTube about your personal feelings. Don't worry about it, the internet is really supportive. Yeah, open up, be as vulnerable <laughs> as you can. P.S. Can you write me into your will super quick? Right. I, okay, I gather yeah. you've just inherited a lot of money from your nan and <laughs> you're in a difficult place. Fucking hell, this got dark. Leon, pull right. me out of the pit. Okay, it, let's put a pin in, Ryan, because we must talk about the companions, obviously, and we must talk about lots of stuff that happens in the story, but there is the, the one major subject here. We have not only a, a new showrunner, a new we haven't even heard a new theme, but we have a new ambience, a new aesthetic. We have, above all, a new doctor. Yes, of course, of course. And the, the titular how woman who be, fell to earth. <laughs> yeah, how, how remiss would it be when the first woman doctor comes along to be like, you know what, let's go through the whole male side of the cast first. Yeah, let's start with uh, one of the dudes. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, to be fair, we started at the, at the start of the episode. Okay. Yeah. And then we'll move to what we call the kitchen section of the podcast, which is where she should be. That is not what's going on here, Podcast Land. That is not where Marie is. She is in bed with a headache. We've told you this. <laughs> putting words in our mouths <laughs> why am i getting so defensive i've got nothing to hide so 13th doctor yeah first off can i just say i liked her in this oh 100 percent. yeah i don't think i've changed my opinion of her at all since that first review we all loved her yeah we did and i was surprised listening back to hear how much we loved her and then i was surprised watching the episode to hear how bang on we were yeah Exactly. It's partly, perhaps, aided by the fact that this is a very solid regeneration episode. Or like, you know, a first episode for a Doctor. Yeah. It's not perfect. I'm not saying that. I'm not going to give it a perfect score anywhere near. But yes, I mean, we. I remember quite recently we did the soft reboot of Capaldi when Bill came along. We were like, oh, this is a bit like, they called it the pilot. And so that's an example fairly fresh in my mind where I was like, oh, in 45 minutes, they did everything they needed to. And okay, they took 60 here, but they had more companions to introduce. And I'm of much the same opinion. Yeah. Bingo. Shall we go through all of the Doctor tropes, all of the Doctor characteristics, you know, the the, the classics from uh, wits, problem-solving ca- capabilities uh, to more superficial things like uh, Sonic and outfits and so on and so forth? I want to hear about all of those. Right. Where do you want to start? Well, I want to start with wit and problem-solving because we get a Doctor here who hits the situation head-on. She falls through the roof of the train yep. and... 
within one and a half seconds, someone's told her there's a bad guy and she's stuck an electric a cattle prod in it yeah. and stunned it. <laughs> just instinctively bang there's no perfect problem solving oh doubt hesitation what do i do now that all comes later and she's so much fresher to not be burdened with any of that here yes exactly and even later on in this episode when she doesn't have an immediate solution she is so incredibly confident in her ability to come up with a solution when you know when they're climbing up the crane and yaz is like oh do you have a plan it's like ah i'll have one by the time i get to the top like that's that's great. That's fantastic. She's so wonderfully doctory. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I don't feel like this holds up. Who wrote this? Was was it Chibbers who wrote this solo? This was written by Chris Chibnall, directed by Jamie Charles, first broadcast on the 7th of October 2018. Oh, thank you very much. So yes, 100% Chibbers. 100% correct. Go from here, Chibbers. Go up. There's one element, what, some, one thing that uh, Whitaker says... That to me seemed like a bit of wit, a bit of humor, that then for some reason going forward was taken literally, seriously. And that is the fam reference. I felt like when she, this is on the train as well, still in her, one of her first scenes, mm-hmm. she refers to people as, uh, like, oh, team? Uh, what, what, fam? And it seems uh, like... Uh, 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 troops, team, gang, fam? Yeah, that seems to me like something that she's just plucking out of the... Like, they are all equally unrealistic options. <laughs> Maybe. But then later on, for some reason, someone went, that's the one. She said, fam, that's what we're going with. Well, maybe she felt most comfortable saying that. And she's like, can we take this forward? And Shivers was like, yeah, I'll make that fit without telling her what he had in store. <laughs> okay, fine. That is possible. I wasn't behind the scenes, so I don't know what happened. But uh, sure, yeah, I'll take that. What do you think of her sciency, wyancy, timey wimey talents? I think that her techno speak just stood out as nailed. Yeah, like she was operating at a Matt Smith level of timey wimey wibble wobble jibber jabber, <laughs> and hitting all the right beats. Everything was loopy as balls, but made sense because she was saying it with such a plomb. <laughs> she delivered those lines very well. Yeah, it was a doctor operating within her wheelhouse. I agree. There are a couple of... Th- oh, hmm, no, I don't want... No, I'm not going to go into the negatives yet. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it, dude. There are so many more positives yet exactly. to be broached. Exactly. Can we talk about the whole... Since we're talking about her techno skills, can we talk about her creating her Sonic? Yes, please do. I'm not sure that's been done before. And I don't know if... I can't remember if we made this parallel in uh, in our instant reaction. But this time around, I watched, I watched this on the coach coming back to Oxford. <laughs> this time around, I got slight Star Wars vibes. And like, oh, you, oh, you've built your own lightsaber, that sort of thing. Oh, okay. She's able to build... She's able to constru- build one herself. This is something that Capaldi, by the way, was not capable of doing, or certainly chose not to do. He had the TARDIS build it for him. And at a certain point, he just had his sonic specs. And I don't know if he built them. I assume he had the TARDIS build them for him as well. Oh, don't sell him short. What he should have had is a, is a sonic electric guitar, a sonic Stratocaster, a sonic caster, and just mashed out power cords that felled his Open enemies. doors hey. and uh, discreetly scan rooms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going backwards um but to go further backwards one handsome and astute member of the podcast team back in 2018 made the parallel with david tennant in army of ghosts building his own screwdriver 
in a warehouse when he was in hiding. So a doctor has done it before, and if Star Wars did it, they stole it. Was this you? I couldn't possibly say. I was listening at 1.5 speed, so it just the words went by in a blur. But whoever it was, bravo, sir, bravo. Whoever it was, very handsome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could tell. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, and I guess we had River Song also probably construct her own. Oh, but yes. in, in general, yeah, I'm, I like the very MacGyvery scene of her making it. I do not like the look of it. Not one bit. Let that is such an inversion of what you said back in 2018. I know, I know. I, I don't like it. It's. I mean, I mean, it's an inversion because you liked the design of it then and you hated the MacGyvery construction scene. Oh, did I? Yeah, it's a double inversion. This time around, I'm totally in favor of her building and chopping and things. I mean, I think it's a little silly that it's possible to do that, but... No, not fine. in Sheffield, with all those raw materials still floating All those about. spoons lying around. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I, I, I loved that the uh, microchip, the circuit board, was followed immediately with the sledgehammer, like being swung into it. <laughs> As if she knows exactly how to crush it into place. Where was the crystal from? No idea. Oh, right. Oh, so you mean, I didn't you mean miss the, the yellow glowing the yeah. wee, 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 wee thing. I, no, I don't know. Is that it's, just something that she had in her pocket? Well, she had empty pockets, so no. Oh, right. Oh, so is that something that she stole from Tim Shaw's ship, maybe? Oh, I'm not sure. Because that's definitely an alien bit of kit, isn't it? Well, I would expect so, or we'd all be making our own Sonics. Yeah. Well, regardless, this time around, I was very much in favour of that MacGyver scene. I really liked her comedic delivery at the end when she goes, ta-da, it throws a spark, and her <laughs> very deadpan, blasé reaction to it is like, oh, I'm sure it's fine. Perfect. Totally oh. nailed it. Can, can I segue from that? Oh, just geez. quickly into we didn't mention this at all back in 2018 but how funny Jodie Whittaker is in this episode mm. I, my thinking primarily of when Ryan says well when she says Ryan I've I've changed your phone I've reformatted it it's it's all gone he's like oh no all my private stuff were on there and she's like not anymore, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so to, not cruelly but so close to cruelly just like that doesn't matter now and just like get with the program ah oh, loved it yeah uh, agreed she's doing a very good job she's making it not look like a job she is inhabiting a character a character who is in the process of coming together no less which is an even greater feat I think I like this first appearance of a Doctor more than I... I not more than uh, Matt Smith's opener. I don't know how I feel about Capaldi's one in comparison to this one, but certainly more than I liked the Tenant opener. Oh, where he was on the... Christmas Invasion. Where he was in bed with Jackie nursing him back to hell with her cleavage most of the episode. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I ignore the fact that he was out of it for much of it, but when he was on screen, I don't feel that he w he had quite grasped what kind of character he was going to play. There wasn't that confidence in approaching this character that we see in Jodie Whittaker. Oh, do you know what? That is such a great parallel that I hadn't thought of. At the end of that, he throws the orange, knocks the leader off the ship, he goes falling, and he, he says with a... A ruthlessness we only ever see from Tenon once again. Yeah, I'm not that kind of doctor or something. Yeah. Uh, no second chances. That's the kind oh, yeah. of man I am. Oh, yeah, that's it. And he's so just stone cold 
And then that's not who he is at almost any other point in at the world, all. Apart from when he's in severe emotional distress. When he's the angry god instead of the yeah, lonely but when, god. Even when he's the angry time lord, the angry god, the, the oncoming storm, yeah. he is not the same kind of angry chap that he is in The Christmas Invasion. Yeah. And I guess you could also make the point of, you know what, Whittaker is very different later on in her run, but she feels much more in tune with the character of the Doctor in this episode than Tennant did in Christmas Invasion. Maybe that's yeah. down to directing. Maybe that's down to maybe it's down to myriad factors. I'm sure this is a better written episode than Christmas Invasion. But. I think it's purely down to. Well, not purely, because I'm sure there are elements that creep in from all aspects of the production. But I think it ha- it hinges on the script and the writer's intention. Because with Capaldi, his first episode, he's just a bellend. And he has to start from there. And that was Moffat's idea. You go from here and you stick with him and you, and you give him a chance to develop. Um, I think that's, that was just a tactic. And I think Chibnall's tactic here is more, Effective. let's get them on board. Let's get yeah. everybody, as many people as possible. This is a huge relaunch. This was moved from Saturday to Sunday. This was one of the most seismic changes in all of Doctor Who history, perhaps since the relaunch in 2005. Never have more eyes necessarily been on this um, well, I suppose in the 50th, and the ratings were nearly 11 million people. So he's he's not, I'm not accusing him of playing to lowest common denominator and people pleasing because it doesn't come across as desperate in that way. But boy, was I a pleased person, nevertheless. Uh, I second all of that. I think there are a few more factors to consider as well. For example, this is a much more mature show now than it was when Tennant took over. You're right about Capaldi. Like when Tennant took over, that was one season into it. Mm. Who knew what was going to happen? Now there's already been there's been the fifty. There there have been so many milestones in this show that taking over now is you know it 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 carries more weight. And being cast as the Doctor might mean slightly more now than it did then. Partly because you're having to fill Tennant's shoes, you know, among others. Yeah, so and you're that's... both having to represent all women while not representing all women, not standing for all women because you're yeah. just a you're just another person in a role. But at the same time, all the little girls are watching you. Yeah, which is a I, I think a very decent segue to the other point that I was going to make, which is that um, uh, Whitaker, Chibbers, everyone, everyone involved in this knew that they were going into it facing adversity without ever having been seen by anyone Mm. they were gonna do an episode with the first female doctor it was going to be a new showrunner it was going to be a slightly different aesthetic because at this point we'd had some posters and whatever like there were a few hints at you know the look and feel of the show and they all knew that a lot of people in the audience were going to be opposed to this just a priori with that in mind i think they made all the wise all the correct choices of shall we omit certain things shall we wait a little bit to lead the doctor in shall we shall we omit a theme like it Everyone's going to hate the new theme. Let's not have a theme. Let's not have an intro sequence because it's not going to be the old one and people are going to hate on it from the get-go. Let's just jump straight into it. Uh, All of these little things, I don't know if they were deliberate choices, but they feel, at least in hindsight, like a very solid strategy to lead in what is, in fact, a really good episode that deserves to be rated on its own merit. Mm -hmm. Whole bunch of topics there. I'm not sure how we started. So let's keep going. All right, companions. Companions. Okay. Which one of the two that are left? Right. No, I mean, I think we should also address Ryan a little bit more. I think there's plenty to say there. Sure. 
Tell me if I'm wrong. I'm going to go ahead and assume that you still prefer Yaz from this trio. What? No. Graham. <gasps> oh, explain yourself. He's funny in this one. <laughs> He's like, there are no aliens. There won't be aliens on this train. And the doctor says, why'd you say that? I'm an alien. And he goes, Grace, we're leaving. <laughs> I thought you loved Yaz in this. Am I misremembering? I absolutely thought that you loved uh, Yaz in this. I don't remember what we said in the first recording, but I do remember on many occasions being the only person defending Graham. I think, in fact, last week I was the person who said, like, I love Graham. I'm not sure. I've got in my notes that Marie and Jim both liked Ryan the best. And since they're not Oof. here, what were they thinking? Oof. Oof. Why? Because he got to do, he got to be sad. But Graham, he got to be way sadder at the eulogy. He, Bradley Walsh, exceeded all our expectations in the first week. The guy can act. Yeah, he really can. Game show host, this... disinterested game show host, is just another of his perfectly pitched personae. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in the audience of his what? show. What? Yes. Kat and I were in the audience of not one, not two, but I think three, because they recorded them back to back. Yeah. Um, sort of special episodes of Beat the Chasers. It was going to air last November. I need to find this. I haven't actually watched them. It, he was super charming there as well. And clearly, he, he's your favorite here as well. Yes, he is my favorite, but I maintain what I think I said the first time around, that Yaz is the one who clearly has the most potential. She's an aspiring cop, wants to improve the world, make it safer, make it better, yada, yada, yada. She wants to be able to solve puzzles. There's so much potential for good companionship there. Yeah. Graham is hilarious, though. Graham is hilarious. Um, All that Ryan is doing is... He's, well, I mean, obviously they don't, none of them intend to go into space, but him and Graham have that relationship issue to work out. And yeah, they're just processing grief, aren't they? Ryan doesn't want to be there. He, I put this at the beginning of the B-Scout deliberately, that he's a wannabe mechanic. And yeah. then later in the same episode, the Doctor is doing the most amazing electromechanical whatever work on the retro engineering the stenza's tech to make the transport pod take her into space and ryan is just standing there completely could not be more bored and he says to graham do you know what the hell she's doing and he's not he should be mucking in and being like doc what are you doing could you teach me about this and he has absolutely zero interest i mean i'm pretty sure in that first recording we even talk about what we assume their arcs are going to be i know that i see (laughs) we assumed that Yaz and Ryan were going to get together, and I think we should maybe rethink that. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Like The three characters that we have here, the three companions, they, they bring a different skill. Ocean's Eleven style, they bring a different skill to the table. Graham is able to infiltrate and gain intel. Yaz can solve problems, and Ryan can fix machines. Yeah. Does he oh. get to do that? I feel. I think he does maybe once later on he looks at an engine. Maybe that's even the next episode. He looks at a, at a spaceship engine or something. Well, in, uh, in 2018, you said, oh, at some point Ryan's going to fix a spaceship engine or something like that. Those were your exact words. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, there you go then. I can't remember that happening. Knowing okay. my brain as I do, that is no guarantee that it doesn't happen. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to seeing if he actually does. If he does, great. But it's not enough if he does once, unless it's the last thing he does. Because that would then be his arc. 
Otherwise, what the shit? It's going to be another characteristic of his that is just completely ignored. Can we talk about the dyspraxia? Uh, why was yes. Why was he given dyspraxia if they're not going to do something with it? Well, I mean, they, they did it something with it here in that he slipped on the ladder. And they also briefly revisited it in, of all episodes, Awful 55. Where I think oh, really? he had oh, a very similar that. problem with a ladder. But yeah, there are also there's also um it seems to me like he's pretty adept. You know what? I, I, it's not that I I'm I don't even have a fear of heights necessarily, but I'm not great with heights and if I had to climb up a crane, I would probably also slip and drop my torch. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I tell you what, I, the it seems so odd that he's the one who who does that, as in that he's the one who sent up the crane because he's great at it. Yeah, I mean, I would say that having Ryan in the show for two years. Okay, I didn't go on and do any research on dyspraxia. I fully admit that. Just based on Ryan alone and the footage of him, the character that reached the screen, the dyspraxic character, I know nothing more about dyspraxia. No, no, right. What the daily limitations are and what how people work around it. And you know, based on this str- episode, having dyspraxia means you can't ride a bike on a mountain. Yeah, if you're going to have a dyspraxic character, make it a bit of a teachable moment. Yeah, rather than he famously fails to display it for whole stretches of series <laughs> like multiple episodes between it appearing and reappearing and it doesn't have to appear every week because then i suppose people would say oh must you really hammer this home in a different way but i i don't understand the condition any better no no right because there's that one scene there's that one scene where um it's the master series the end of series 12 i suppose and i think he's shooting a gun and he's he's scoring like sniper shots like his coordination in that thing and okay he's very happy to do so and maybe he gets lucky but doesn't seem like something a dyspraxic character would pull off necessarily no uh, yeah agreed agreed how do you how do you feel about the i mean we've already said his acting is perhaps it it perhaps leaves a little, something to be desired but how do you feel about the the scenes that are afforded to this character, comedic scenes, uh, also action scenes in general, how is this character introduced and developed? Um, well, I mean, maybe I should come at it from a different angle. Maybe he's quite closed off because his dad has left, his mum has died. This is a guy who probably shuts a lot of himself away. So perhaps the direction was don't go too big. That's possible. Because, although, no, no, because (laughs) when he's talking about how his dad hasn't appeared at the funeral and his dad promised he would come two hours earlier and it's about to start and he's still not there, that should be the point at which the emotion breaks through because that is the whole source of why he's suppressing something if indeed he is and we should see something there and that was where i was most disappointed in that that he still keeps it all locked up inside it was either completely understated or totally underacted yeah i i mean i I don't think that he had very much to work with in that scene though to be fair there are no lines that he is delivered in an understated fashion to to clarify how he, the character of Ryan, is feeling about the whole thing. He doesn't get an opportunity to say anything. But I don't think that's necessarily can, people, his fault. People can say more than just the words, though, can't they? 
some actors they do so much with so little and you're like wow i do remember you saying on a few occasions that i was demanding very much of actors to elevate scripts those are scripts that were actually written and handed to them Uh uh (laughs) here you were asking him to elevate a script that at least this section of which was never written in the first place Maybe, but no, what you do is you, you use this you use the text as a springboard, don't you? You're like six. So you're expecting years. him to improv in that scene or No, no, I'm saying this guy has let you down. You bring six years of pain and resentment and bitterness and what you do is you make it look like more than you're trying to read the number plate of the car across the car park through the window. <laughs> like you're just looking into the middle distance with a bit of concentration. That's where you add a little bit more. If you are a professional actor and you have been entrusted with two series on the yes, BBC's but, flagship sci-fi drama. But the only line, I can't believe that I'm defending Ryan here. The only <laughs> line that he is allowed to utter in this inc- this glorious display of acting talents. Hit me, the, only hit line, me, dude. the only line is, I'm paraphrasing here, he's always like this. He's always untrustworthy. Oh, fuck it. I, you yeah, know what? He, I'm going to find it. Something like you can't trust him with this stuff. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So there's there's one, that's the one line. Yeah. Um. That's That's not a whole lot of material to work with unless he gets to improv outside of it. Uh, I think this is an example of the character not being well written. Like the start, the trajectory of his arc, not well written. You may be right. I'm not going to insist. I am not a professional actor. I'm not saying in his situation with that line I could have done any better. That is not what I am claiming. (laughs) I mean, that's what it sounded like to me, but no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what about Yaz? Well, you're right. Yaz, she knows how to approach a situation she has done her homework she's like in this scene the policeman goes at it like this and or maybe the writer's done the homework i don't know but it all was much more satisfying agreed she's also a terrible policewoman how so (laughs) dude she brings peace to hunter hill road controversial statement yeah no i know i know you're absolutely right you're absolutely right she finally (laughs) ends the decades-long parking feud i'm so sorry i don't actually really mean that the the Really, this is something to put a pin in for later because there are certain elements of this episode that I think are really poorly done. Very oh. brief. Not necessarily to the detriment of the whole, but there are certain elements of this story that are just so cliched or so ham-fisted. And unfortunately, she's the tool wielded by the writer slash the director to deliver said hams. <laughs> oh. It's not her fault at all. Put a pin in that. In general, I, I think she's also incredibly sympathetic. She's a very pleasant person to see act on screen. She comes across as so ambitious. She has so much intelligence. She has so much drive. She wants to go places. Like, yeah, I want to see more of this character, you know? Like, it's such a sympathetic thing. In contrast to Ryan, who's just sleepwalking through the entire episode. Huge fan. Yeah. Graham? I've already said I really like Graham. Grace? Oh, Grace. Yeah. (laughs) Marie devoted a lot of time to how Grace was actually the primo companion material. Yeah. Or the prima companion material, I don't know. How would you have felt about that? And who are the other companions? Would it be all four of them? Or would it be like a family situation? It's Grace, Graham, and Ryan? Oh, maybe. It would be a shame to lose the potential of Yaz as presented here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But perhaps 
having Grace and Yaz. I mean, there'd be a sort you could play with the dynamics of two similar characters of different generations and different ages and everything, but both brave and wanting to throw themselves headlong into the action. Uh, but yeah, you wouldn't need them. Like you didn't need all three for the whole two series that they're in. You wouldn't have needed. I don't think you've needed any three of these four because what you get most of the time is a scene where one or maybe two are useful and the third is either off screen in the toilet or just standing with their hands by their sides waiting for a line. So later on, I remember us talking off the record about Yaz being the the character who just delivers exposition or who just repeats what other people either already know are seeing for themselves, we are seeing for ourselves. She made no contribution as a character. She had no substance. She was the equivalent of Sigourney Weaver's character in Space Quest. She's just repeating what the computer's already saying. And was that true in this episode? I feel like that's possibly more... I mean, it's, it's almost a role shared by her and Ryan for just a teeny tiny bit of the episode. But for most of the episode... Everyone, Grace, Graham, Ryan, uh, Yaz, they all have something to do. They yes. all have a mission. Absolutely. They all have a journey and a purpose. Yeah. And unfortunately, the journey and purpose is only to shuffle into place as companions or fridged. And then once that's shaken out, that's when the hard work begins. But yeah. while they're getting there, they're all fine. I'm I'm crapping on Toast and Cole and Ryan, and I, I, I'm being too harsh because... I enjoyed this episode. It wasn't like every time he appeared on screen, I was like, oh, Ryan, that wasn't it at all. Not at all. Nor for me. I'm and just a negative Hollywood, bastard, right? I'm sorry. Is he joining the Marvel Universe or something? Well, that's what we thought two years ago. And I looked on IMDb and his upcoming credit is a film called Till about Emmett Till, who was a black man murdered unjustly. I'm not quite sure which decade, but it was civil rights adjacent. I think it was quite early. Joan Baez sang a song about the legend of Emmett Till. Okay, Okay, that Um, sounds like a far more substantial and demanding role than some nonsense Marvel character. But he is not Emmett Till. All right. I mean, I I hope he gets a shot, and if he's good enough, I hope he makes it. But Yeah. um, Yeah, all power to you, Tyson Cole. Get what you can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, so we've gone through the Doctor, we've gone through the Companions. How about we talk bad guy? And how about we segue from the bad guy after that to the episode as a whole? Because I've got some complaints as well. Cool. Well, we said this definitely off the record after our recording of the Capaldi retrospective. And that was my theory that Sim Shah slash Tim Shaw, great as a villain of the week, a foe, a baddie, a monster that you only see once. But when he was brought back at the end, he was not enough to hang a series on, to bookend. Yeah, agreed. And he t- So this week, he was great. And if history is anything to go by, we will get to episode 10. <laughs> and like the resounding chorus of planet Earth, one, two, three, four years ago, be like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> because what should happen, right, is he should go back to the Stenza, the Stenza leaders, the Stenza presidential committee or whatever is deciding who to inaugurate and 
he he flops down in front of them and his DNA is dissolving and they go, oh my goodness. He he was defeated by Carl. Wait, wait, <laughs> who is this Carl? I want to see this Carl. Get this Carl here. And Carl rocks up and he was like, yeah, I kicked him off the crane. Yeah, I was completely ruthless. Yeah, I matter. To his death. I'm important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean something. And they're like, oh my goodness, this guy, his arrogance. He's, he's going to be the, yeah. He's our new emperor. Yeah, they pull out Tim Shaw's molar, shove it into Carl's cheek, go, you're on you, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he comes back in episode 10 with a god complex. Yes. Oh, this is so much better. This is exactly what, we, what should have happened. <laughs> the, <laughs> there was another baddie of the week later on that I remember at the time thinking, wow, this is probably going to be a recurring baddie. Mm-hmm. And that was the weird racist greaser guy from Rosa. Yeah. Who was sent back in time and then promptly forgotten about entirely by everyone who writes scripts. Even though he, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, oh, I, I, I'm, I'll have my revenge on you. Yeah. Uh, I actually have motivation. You exactly. Women, you black women. <laughs> Slightly more topical a bad guy than someone who just wants to be the predator and shove teeth into his face. Yeah. But no, we didn't get that. I I would... uh, Now I am getting ahead of myself. He was like a space and time traveling racist shitbag. Yeah. Much more so than this guy. He was like an evil Captain Jack. He was like the evil leaper. I'm not entirely sure I'm super duper happy with with, with Tim Shaw even as a, a foe of the week. Oh. There are parts of that that I think either could have done... Not necessarily because of Tim Shaw, Tim Shaw... But I think the way that it was, perhaps, you know what, perhaps mostly how it was bookended. I very much had forgotten what was going to happen here uh, and halfway was expecting her to go, well, actually, you cheated. I've told on you. And now all of a sudden, the predator becomes the prey. He is now the hunted He's marked as the new whatever, and other, you know, tooth tooth fairies show up <laughs> to claim him as their trophy. Because, of course, that's what should happen if you break the rules. Exactly. She lets him get away with it, by the way. Yeah. But oh. in general, he felt more like a... Uh, Okay, so it's been a while since I listened. I, I, I did actually kind of sort of superficially listen back to our bonus episode uh, last week, in fact. Okay. So maybe we did talk about this, but he comes across very much like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer baddie to me. Okay. He's a big bad only in that he is tall and evil. I see. Yes. Whereas someone like the Rosa racist Greece guy, he is <laughs> diminutive in stature, perhaps, by comparison. But he has an almost master-level, insidious shit fuckery about him. Like, that guy takes no prisoners. He is an utter asshole and a little bit of a mastermind as well. And that's more interesting. Yeah, he's, he's callous. He's intense. He's incredibly dislikable. Mm, absolutely. You talking about tall evil as a bad synonym for big bad. Yeah. I am on a writing course currently, Podcast Land. And First I've heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I bore you onto tears with endless... <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I freaking love this. <laughs> Recently, we have been treating the subject of nemeses. 
Mm. And we've had to do things like write a character biography for the nemeses. And hey, fellow students, if you're listening, I'm sure like two thirds to four fifths of you already fans. I haven't told them about it, just based on our listenership. Yeah, yeah. Across the uh, world. Organic yeah. marketing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The number of character biographies of, well, it could be a hero or it could be a nemesis. The number that have piercing blue eyes, they all go really? nuts for it. They're like, wow. they're like, what makes a compelling character? He's tall and he's got piercing blue eyes. And when he walks into a room, everybody looks at him being tall and having blue eyes. And I'm like, you guys are driving me crazy. <laughs> Not just because I have brown eyes, but because... I don't know, this weird Aryan echo going on here. It's insidious and lazy and I hate it. Do they actually, do your colleagues actually use the phrase piercing blue eyes? Oh, constantly. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I mean, not in their actual prose, but in their sort of character sketches, which is fine because, well, it's not fine, but it's more understandable because you're just outlining and it's like, what's, what's a feature? What's a visual feature? And that is that is used by, I would say, a good third of the people. And otherwise, you don't hear about anybody's eyes full stop. Well, the good thing is, all of you are aspiring writers, and all of you have a novel in your drawer that you will be redrafting, or a new novel idea that you will be writing and sending to agents. Yeah. It seems as though a third of you will not be competition. So you're okay, dude. That's already better. <laughs> <laughs> No, don't say that. I'm sorry, I'm being way too mean. I'm way, being way too mean. I'm so sorry. I get it. You don't want a, a character to be sketched along formulaic, ineffective lines. Agreed. So with that in mind, can I segue to one of the things that I dislike about this episode? Oh, I've been on tenterhooks this whole time. There is so much ham-fisted exposition in this episode. Can you quote some? Because I'm not saying you're wrong, but I must have been amenable to it because I didn't really notice. I've only actually written one example of it, but I can think of a couple of examples. The one that I wrote down was PC Khan meets the doctor, immediately goes, my name is Yasmin. Yaz to my friends. Oh, <laughs> oh, of course. And, and that's what sets up the uh, nice line of because we're friends now yeah i love the comeback from the doctor but that is such an unnatural way of introducing a character <laughs> it's really yeah. really it really just yeah forced here's another one grace and graham they're like 30 seconds into knowing the doctor immediately go uh, this is my grandson ryan he has dyspraxia we're teaching him how to ride a bike you see he can't do it because of his dyspraxia but he's learning he's really good he got a few pedals in earlier this afternoon yeah it's it's fine we've managed to raise his pain threshold so that he barely feels it when he falls off which happens constantly by the way we've managed to detract from the fact that we are terrible pseudo parents because why on earth would we take him up on that mountain and force him to learn to ride a vehicle that he has no desire or need to yeah i mean is it necessarily a bad thing that we blindfold him and (laughs) And Graham pushes him along with the blindfold and I wheel the bike and then we're like, we're not telling you where we've parked, but you have to ride in this direction or you're at not getting end, home. Would, oh, dude, at the end, wouldn't it have been absolutely lovely when he was on the bike and you, you see him cycle? Wouldn't that have been absolutely lovely if both of the wheels had been totally bent out of shape? Because he threw it off a fucking mountain and he's still <laughs> trying to ride it. I mean, 
I get that while the bike is careering down the hillside, it would bounce, but that it lands 30 feet up in a tree where no hill is anywhere in sight. Like, it has just fallen into a completely different ecosystem. Yeah, these these have ceased to be hills at this point. They are mountains. They are (sighs) taller than trees. You can get hills that are taller than trees, too. Yeah, but... you You don't come from the Netherlands. They are... Dude, do I have to... You know what? I'm going to include a screenshot for the websites <laughs> of wherever that is, and I'll, I'll juxtapose it to whatever the whatever Google image search tells me is the result of average hill. <laughs> okay, but I'm just saying, the wild fells of the Peak District are pretty rugged and not to be trifled with. Um, not to the be peaks, mean, yeah. not to be ridden on by a dyspraxic guy who can't stop falling off his bike either. But that everybody then you have to way. you can only reach it by train. I've got a couple more questions about this. Sure. First off, Ryan and Yaz meet up. They're in the forest. It's nice. It's daytime. Yada yada yada. Oh, touch it. Oh, it's really cold. That's very weird. Blah 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 blah. Cut two. He gets a phone call from Grace. Oh my goodness, we're on the train. It's night time. Phones can work at night. What's your problem? How long were they in that forest? <laughs> they and were just, what were they up to? They were entranced by the mystery. They weren't making out. We know that now. We know that. What? I suppose yeah, I mean, in general, we know that because there's like, there's, I think she's busy doing her job and he's busy doing absolutely nothing, but they're busy doing those two things for hours plural this is september we're in it doesn't get dark super duper early it is pitch black when he receives that phone call and it is daytime it's like 2 p.m when she arrives in the forest yeah you're right why is she in the forest for eight hours before they you know head to the train and sub question how do they just arrive at the train? They've been on the train. Like, it, Grace and Graham were on the train. It goes for quite some time before it, you know, crashes into an alien, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, the human centipede of gathering coils. And yet, Yaz and Ryan just walk onto the train. Yeah, if the road network is that good, take a car, guys. <laughs> you save yourself <laughs> hours each way. <laughs> I don't know, maybe the train route is particularly scenic and maybe they go on holiday that way every year and it's like their own special thing and and maybe I could make up any justification I wanted if it bears absolutely no relation to what's on screen. (laughs) Can I... We missed, a, we missed a perfect thing that I had noted. Oh, please, please go for it. Jodie and Tim Shaw, which is where (laughs) she says... You broke the rules. Some leader you're going to make. And I couldn't help thinking about our current political situation. (laughs) All right, fine. Okay. And one hour and two and a half minutes into it, we're going to talk about Boris Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) He's as low down and amoral as a sodding, cheating Stenza hunter killer. To be fair, he is more akin to the racist greaser in Rosa, but okay. He's both. (laughs) I mean, honestly, when I had to write my nemesis character, mm. I, I had to work Who hard to not just copy a mishmash of Donald Trump and Boris Johnson because they are like civilization's twin nemeses. They are awful. And Jodie Whittaker is the doctor who stands up for fair play throughout the universe. And what do people 
who have supported Boris Johnson at any point think when they hear someone saying that because anyone who voted Boris into power knew that he was only doing it for his own gratification and to advise I don't know that certain they did. people at the, at the expense of others. But Do you think they all knew or do you think he was, this is such a different podcast, but do you, do you not think that he was able to manipulate a lot of people, including in his own party, including in the House? Just uh, like he manipulated uh, roughly half of the population of this country. Well, I mean, people have known since the bus. Yeah, that he's a lying racist asshole. Yeah, so as long as he's a lying racist asshole who's working for me, part but of the they also, thinks, if they know that he's a lying racist, which they, which and anyone with eyeballs does know, then they also know that he is not working for them. He is working for himself. This I is mean, such a clear to it, us. I'm really sorry, podcast land people who are overseas. This is probably not of interest to you, but oh, there are parallels around the globe at the moment. Oh, definitely, yeah. Bear, just rest assured, there are political shenanigans going on on this side of the pond as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Boris, tangent over. Unless you've got anything more to say. No, that's another pin for after this this recording. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> What's next? Okay, you know what? There was one part of this episode where I immediately thought of you. <laughs> Aww. And, uh, was it an incredibly handsome character walked onto screen? Oh, shit. I shouldn't have said that. I, I specifically thought <laughs> of <laughs> some bands that you and I have had. I on, know I, I have wonky teeth, dude, but please. I think I, I, on, a, <laughs> on a couple of occasions, we've had bands very much to this effect. And it was the granddad character. Do you remember the granddad character who's like just, Hi, I'm a red shirt. <laughs> the, <laughs> the guy whose line is something to the effect of, Oh, not every granddad's this lucky. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Oh, it's the last day before retirement. That's basically what I was thinking. Like, I immediately thought of you. <laughs> oh, Jersey, I'm the luckiest granddad in the world. Keep your phone on, and maybe I'll be back in a minute. Just follow <laughs> me with the with the screen. Don't take your eyes off me. You I'll be right getting back. engaged at my age. <laughs> oh, I'm getting married in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I beat the big C, but my life's really turned around since then. <laughs> Yeah. And who would have thought I'd win the lottery three weeks in a row? I mean, it's only because I forgot to cancel it, and it, the numbers just kept coming up. I really think this diet's working out for me. <laughs> My life's really changed since I discovered Cialis. Oh, dear. I, holy smokes. Which I also, th- th- that is something that I equate to. It's almost mean because this is such a good episode. It's mean to call it lazy writing, but it is so redonkulously tropey to have someone like this. Yeah, and also we should note that it is the first in very many utterly marginal characters that Chibnall's introduces at the beginning of an episode. Who buy it. Who buy it, and they buy it after having just enough time to establish a familial relation to someone off screen who we never see. There's that guy, there's the salad dude as well. Kebab salad guy. uh, Yeah. Who's hilarious, by the way, but who who else are you thinking of? I'm thinking of, it's, I think when... Uh, Raul. No, no, this is a different episode. I'm thinking when Mr. Big comes back, and it's the Theresa May episode, Revolution of the Daleks, indeed. Yeah. Um... And what happens is, I think the scientists at the beginning—I I don't know if they—if they're the one that gets the Dalek remains in the truck, or they're working on it, or something—talks about his mother 
or he yes. talks to his mother on the phone yes. and he he does that and it's like from that second on you know he's going to die because it's the truck driver isn't it i think he gets the question is your mother still in hospital or something like that yeah. like, oh yeah no she's okay now like fuck you episode that's <laughs> such a lazy way of establishing that a character is worthy of surviving and cr- trying to force sympathy in your audience when he doesn't yes that's yeah yeah so this is the first one daisy's granddad number one let's see how high we get <laughs> I'm gonna, i love this this is such a good game <laughs> i'm gonna suggest that i'm gonna i'm gonna guess eight by the end of chidnall's run oh really yeah eight eight Wait, how many episodes has he done i think by the 24 so far or something like that by the very end he will have done about 29 30 okay 32, I'm gonna, 32 something like that are we playing prices right rules yes nine. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I walked straight into that <laughs> that plunger. Yikes. I, I, I'll say nine just because I enjoy winning, but I think probably closer to something like 11 or 12. <laughs> Great. This is going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a couple of introductory questions that we somehow haven't touched upon. Okay, let's, let's circle back and hear what they are. Tim Shaw had a teleporter. Why isn't this a five-minute episode? <laughs> Why does he get to the bottom of the crane and think, I will only convince the inauguration committee if I'm a bit out of breath by the time I bring back <laughs> Carl's crusty toothless body yeah like i i have to have done some exercise to track him down so this will this will get my uh body temperature up to minus 160 from a hun- minus 170 or whatever it is by the way all the teeth on his face should be chattering <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it and yeah he could be in the cab in an instant just crush carl's head rip his jaw out boom he's gone back before the doctor even knows what's going no, on. no he doesn't want to crush his head he wants to take him back alive and then put him in that weird torture stasis thing oh yeah so okay Which I think we get to see when we return to this character oh that isn't would... there a bit where ryan and graham i don't i don't think that they do but they contemplate killing him they contemplate blasting him with yeah. a laser yeah. gun or something one of them is holding a f off massive gun i think yeah, it it's might the be BFG from doom <laughs> yeah exactly and i think around him are his trophies i think something to that effect oh so he he can't crush Carl's skull, but surely there is no need for him to do anything but just teleport to Carl, grab him, leave. Well, the, the Doctor does have the return pod thing, so I guess his his teleporter works as a short-range thing, but not over 5,000 galaxies. That's true, but at that point he doesn't know about it. No, no, he should be in the cab, no questions asked. Yeah, exactly. Fancy ponging my ping? <laughs> Always! <laughs> <laughs> I want to give a shout out to the guy who played Rahul. Oh, yeah? Amit Shah. Okay. What I wanted to do is I wanted to compare favorably the intensity of his watch this if I die video. Oh, yes. With Ryan's video. <laughs> because the watch me <laughs> oh, if I that's die. Such a good. I love that. Yes, please. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go for it, please. The Watch Me If I Die is on the desktop in full caps, and he his eyes deliver it in full caps. So, okay, maybe this is what Ryan is missing from the funeral scene at the end. Like, he just doesn't look any different. He just looks a bit put out, whereas... <laughs> 
his <laughs> eyes should be red. He should have been crying off screen or, or something. Or there should be there should be a tell. You know, like this guy, he's lost his sister and he is just transfixing you as the viewer with his gaze. And you're like, whoa, y- yeah, I, I'm, I like this, but can I take it? And yeah, great performance, Amit Shah. Yeah. I, I I don't really remember the video that he did that well, to be honest with you, but I do definitely recall feeling very compelled by the scene preceding it. Preced- when he's still alive, when he's still around, his friend has helped him carry this thing into the workshop. Yeah. And um, and he's, he's there, he's so convinced that he's going to find his sister. There's just so much drama in this man's face, in his demeanor, in everything that he exudes on screen. Yeah. Yeah. He's, fantastic job. He's almost he's in a fugue state of emotion. Anti-Ryan. Yeah. All right. I mean, I've, I've really only got notes that sort of echo and repeat things that what, what we've said already. One piece of nice writing I wanted to call out, and maybe you agree, is when Jodie Whittaker describes the process of regeneration. Oh, yes. Where she's saying Very about, good. it's terrifying. You're sure you're about to die for a moment and then you're born and there's echoes of who you were and there's this sort of call towards who she is and I really liked all that yeah I agree with you I only have one more thing really on my list take Um, us home dude really what I want to talk about is the cliffhanger in order to get us there I will ask you another question as well and that is does she really need the fam quote unquote at the end why is the fam there that is an excellent question She's already said her goodbyes. We've had, like, effectively the end of a Companion of the Week-style arc outside of the funeral ceremony. It even ends on a little joke. Oh, we need to get you into a different outfit. And then she gets the outfit that she will have for most of her run. So then cut to this freaking warehouse, which for some reason is not teeming with police officers and X-Files dudes. And <laughs> yeah. She needs them there. Why? So that they can hold a pair of... What? Wires? Pliers? Yaz has got to hook something onto something and... Yeah, but she does that and then it's done. Like, Doc yeah. could just have done that herself. No, I'm, I'm just describing that and Graham, I think, maybe connects something and, and Ryan maybe is just Whatever he it. connects, it is not the dots. Like, there is, there is no reason for him to be there. There's no reason for any of them to be there. No, and the tell is that it's when the microwave pings, right? That the transport happens. So... All you do is you give yourself an extra 30 seconds. Exactly. And you're absolutely right. The end of the episode is where I perceived the flab to be. Sure, I'm now remembering all the info dump exposition from earlier on where Ryan is talking about, yeah, I I work in a warehouse, but I hate it. I'm just saving up for my NVQ because I I want to be a mechanic. Yeah, of course. There you go. That's another example of redonkulous exposition. Yeah, but that still didn't drag as much as the last five minutes where it's just patent. It's obvious that they don't need to be there. And the episode is just trying to skate over it and get to the cliffhanger. It's a nice cliffhanger. Um, yeah, how do you feel about the cliffhanger? Well, I like in it. Space. Yeah, space. We get to go into space very quickly. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So fills us with optimism for next week, yeah? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really know why I'm even asking the question because there's not very much to this cliffhanger, but the, I, I guess maybe the, the only nice thing about it really is when she turns around, when she swings around and she sees that she's not the only person who's materialized in space. 
mm-hmm. there's visible shock on hers, on her face. Yeah. Just the, the, oh goodness, I thought I was doomed. It turns out I've also caused the death of these three characters with whom I did not think I would spend years on screen. Boom. Done. That's true. I didn't spot that. And maybe it's my fault that I didn't spot that. But Jodie Whittier has gone through the whole episode saying not one more person is going to die from Earth. Like, Mm. not on my watch. And now suddenly there's three of them that she's responsible for asphyxiating right there. Exactly. And I think it's a shame that we pull out massively. And so you have to squint to see the horror. Always, every time. I heard that before. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Not that kind of pull out massively. But yeah, yeah, maybe after you've shown the vastness of space, just go back in and show us the horror on her face again. And really, you know, sink that knife into us and be like, oh, I've got to come back next week. Yeah. I mean, we do anyway. I'm overstating what that extra shot would add, but, you know. We do. As I recall, the next episode is not great. Oh, no. And so even if we start there and it alludes to some greater empathy twixt characters, I think that empathy will only be the cause of disillusionment. Ah, well, just... Pull the wool over our eyes as long as you That's can, right. eh? I don't know about the next episode. I have no idea. I look forward to watching it. So far, I'm really enjoying this new era of Doctor Who. Yep, the Jodie Whittaker era is one for one. Dang right. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 Ratings. Okay, so here I go into the 13th Doctor's era of ratings. The current Doctor's era of ratings. Oh, how does that feel? Very good. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so this was overall a good episode. Just a tiny bit long and flabby at the end, but otherwise really on point. I didn't find myself wishing whole scenes had been done better or erased until Ryan was back up on the fell, grazing his shins in his nan's memory. But a couple of info dump scenes or shots of ludicrously inflated importance are by no means out of place in any Doctor's opening episode. There is no crime this episode commits that hasn't been done many times before. I thought 13 was driven, smart, her delivery engaging. Some examples we didn't mention. Yaz is trying to call into the station and... The doctor's like, well, what are you going to say? What are the facts? You don't know the facts. He thinks it's an alien. Why do you need to watch the CCTV? She dominates. I love it. When a bit of humor that we missed was when Tim Shaw says, who are you? And she says, me, I'm, and you know the doctor's coming. And she's like, oh, I've gone again. <laughs> I had it a minute ago. <laughs> so, so annoying. True. So true. Loved it. Maybe you did too. And then there was another big laugh when Carl was like, I'm special. Somebody out there wants me. (laughs) You don't know the half of it, buddy. I appreciated that there was no spare time to fill with laborious over-explaining. We may revisit that in future episodes. However, it wasn't an all-time great. 13 having to say about Rahul's sister, she was his family. Really? (laughs) One terribly lame line. Okay, family is a theme. And she says later she carries a family with her and so they live on. But it's all a bit airy. Even if, no, wait, no, wait. It is after Grace's funeral. There is 
That's appropriate. Hmm. Maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe it's down to the underacting. Graham accuses Ryan at one point of being about to blame his mistake with the electronic consent form on his dyspraxia. Oh, I bet you're going to blame that on the dyspraxia as well. And I would have thought Ryan might react to that. And maybe that's an instance where the director let the actor down. The Stenzis human trophies are held in stasis on the cusp between life and death. The question is, what do the Testimony Foundation do in that case? Is... <laughs> Is Chipper like, saying... Isn't now a good time? Is now a good time? No, okay, fine, yeah. I'll wait. <laughs> yeah, we'll come back. Is Chipper saying screw you, Moffat, and your universe-deforming twaddle right off the bat? If so, I salute you, sir. <laughs> In sum, we have a very promising setup. Well acted on the whole, particularly Jodie Whittaker, Sharon D. Clarke, who played Grace, and, would you Adam and Eve it, Bradley Walsh. The plot is no great shakes. Hmm, maybe the action too. But the Doctor does have to navigate a twist and think on her feet. And if you disagree with me, you can eat my salad, Halloween. <laughs> 3.8. Oh, the 3.8, you say? I do say. (laughs) Fantastic. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Right. So in trying to mini and rate this, I thought that I would struggle more than I am now in pretending as though I didn't know where this was heading or what my future slash present at the time of recording opinion of this doctor's run or this showrunner's run might be. I am having rewatched this episode even more convinced than ever that I will be able to reevaluate this doctor. Hey. I have I have truly disliked this doctor for quite some time now. And I, I think well, she certainly stands a chance at changing my mind about it. So why don't I start there? The doc, holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes, so much promise. Wow. Bearing the chronology of this episode, absolutely no mind whatsoever. I had genuine, literal goosebumps on my arms <laughs> at her I'm the doctor reveal on the crane. Because yes, Dagna, but of course she is. Oh, <laughs> I'm utterly convinced she is fun, she's witty, clever, resourceful, perhaps a little too reliant on her, quote, fam. Sorry, I just hurled in my lap there. I've had a Negroni and a bottle of wine. It took you an hour and a half to make that sound. That's true, yeah. (laughs) But that is a bit of shit writing, so yeah, I feel justified in making it. In general, though, I am super duper on board for this new Doctor. Why wouldn't I be? She is great. In fact, I'll probably get back to her when I talk about the great greatest assets of this episode in just a second. But I would like to point out, if anyone is curious, about 28 minutes into this episode, she is indeed gesticulating like utter shite on fire. Have a look. That's what I was talking about a few reviews ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, Screenshot on whobackwhen.com. If I can gif it, yes, definitely. Oh, a gif, brilliant. <laughs> Otherwise, just, uh, yeah, scrub to 28 minutes. Um Last thing I have to say about the Doctor, I would have, Doc, I would not of. Oh. Pissed me off. Moving on, companions, Graham, great. Yaz, she has potential, but why is she not calling in those crimes? Maybe she's not cut out to be a police person. Kidding. No, she's great. Fantastic. Grace, wow, so adventurous and charming and fun. I'm so glad we get to her for the duration of the Chibnall era. Oh, wait, what was that? We don't? (laughs) And Ryan, uh, wait, why is Ryan even here? What is he doing? I don't understand what, what his role is in this. As far as the foe is, already said, tall evil, not big bad. I'm not 
super duper in favor of that, but yeah, sure, fine. He needs to be colder than the ambient temperature by a long shot, but he's happy to take off his mask whenever he speaks to protagonists. It seems a little weird. In general, I think when he's in his mask, I'm in favor of him being anonymous and, you know, uh, just a, he might as well be a robot, it doesn't matter. But the second he takes off his mask and he starts talking and he's given the semblance of a persona that just doesn't hold up, I have no choice but to say, eat my ass, Tim. Um, as this is the first and only time I'm certain we've encountered him, as a one-off baddie, he is a lot better than the Scorbox Blitzer, for example. But he really isn't that well-written. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just an archetype. He's a little bit meh. So, yeah. If and when we ever encounter him again in the universe, uh, maybe we can talk more about him then. The greatest asset that this episode has to flaunt is uh, its novelty. It's Whitaker, who's amazing. It's the Ambience, which is new. The description of regenerations you already mentioned. Also, this, the description of a Sonic suddenly not just being a screwdriver. I like that because so often do I complain that it's a fucking screwdriver. Here, Whitaker confronts that head on. Biggest flaws. Companions. Sorry. Info dumps. Already talked about that. Doc letting Tim Shaw and Carl get away with murder. And not for me, but I'm sure for a lot of podcast land, not podcast land, but a lot of the audience, I should say, the ambience as well, because it's just too undoctory for a lot of people. Not for me again, not for me, uh, but for a lot of people. And unfortunately, that showed later on in ratings as well. Fine. Main takeaway, while I'm going to miss Capaldi forever, obvi. <laughs> Seconded. I'm also ready to put wood and all on that era and look ahead at the next. Yeah, definitely put your wooden hole in the last era. (laughs) (laughs) I have also given this a 3.8. Oh, dude. (laughs) This happens when we review episodes of the two of us together. This happens more often than not. It does. Safe Page Club, very exclusive club, two members max. Do you think you're appreciating it more now or less than the first time around? Even though you didn't assign it a numerical value at the time. I think it's impossible to say. The issue is a universal one where you watch something instantly and you enjoy the television and the entertainment and then you review it and analyse it for who back when and you poke all the holes in it. So... If I'm giving it a lower rating here, it's only because of that process. It's not because of all the stuff that's gone between. I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's fair. But it's been through the the who back when ringer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But ours aren't the only opinions of this, surely. Why no? A whole land of podcasts is out there. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hear from them. Let's. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. This week, it being an event tentpole episode, no, we have seven listener minis. Tentpole! (laughs) (laughs) The first whoop has been gathering dust for three and a half years now. (laughs) That's so true. That is so true. This has really been sitting around in the archives. Yeah, this was this was posted on the website, but it's from Jim the Fish. Jim. Jim. (laughs) And Jim officially kicks off. The first episode was different, (laughs) which is good, but it didn't really feel like Doctor Who. None of the elements that I always associate with the show, intro slash theme, TARDIS, classic callbacks, etc., were there. And stuff that was included, the Sonic and Doctor, was so different that it was hard to get that who feeling. Mm. Also, I don't see why people are saying the Doctor is so different this time. Aside from her being female, all I see are things that other Doctors did too. 
She's outgoing and fun. Yeah, so were Tennant and Smith. She jumped off a crane to save someone. Ten jumped out of a spaceship. She's so smart, she built her own Sonic. I know 12 other doctors that built things from nothing. She's, she's female? Yes. Yes, she is. Look, I'm not saying she's awful, says Jim the Fish. I just think people are overhyping her character because... A. If they say they don't like her, they'll be called sexist. B. The hype for the show has convinced them that she's great. Or C. A majority of the people who like her are new and haven't seen the show before. And Jim the Fish concludes, I know that it was only her first episode and things could improve over time, but even the other Doctors had great introductions and hers was, well, bland. And Jim gives this... What's true? 2.4 out of 5. Yikes caramba. However, I really do feel that we should point out Jim the Fish submitted that review on October 9th, 2018. Like, right after it had aired. And I... Jim, if you are still listening, please pop a reply to your own review on the website. I would love to hear. I would absolutely... uh, Just, holy smokes, my heart would catch fire hearing how (laughs) your opinion may or may not have changed since then i'd be interested too yeah (laughs) i'd read it (laughs) i've had a bottle of wine in the meantime jim thank you very much (laughs) thanks jim (laughs) who next oh i should stop saying that uh not for this one next is the one the only tracy Tracy from from america America. hello tracy hi tracy Tracy begins, hey guys, how have you been? Very well. Thanks very much, Tracy. (laughs) Are you ready, says Tracy. I couldn't hear you over the time distortion, so I hope you said yes. Let's strap in. (laughs) Okay, continues Tracy. The episode shows lots of promise, loads of mystery. What is the spider snake ball? What is the giant Hershey kiss? And why does that guy want to stare at it and shout about his sister? For special effects, the episode plays with light a lot, but in a way that manages to be both understated and effective. Mm. Talking about regeneration, then crafting herself a Sonic is very, very... The Doctor has arrived. <laughs> okay, I think the pacing works in this one. Mm. Unfortunately, it does so at Grace's expense. Ah, yes. Grace's death lends just the right amount of gravitas to round out the episode because the Tim Shaw stuff sort of fizzles. Yeah, it, a fair point. Tracy concludes with a rating of Is it wrong to be enjoying this? Yeah, if the writers kill off the best companion right away. Ooh, what a double edged shaft of enjoyment. Ah, oh, zing, you have like shaft, dude. I feel like I'm sword swallowing with that one. Awesome, Tracy. Thank you very much. (laughs) People of Podcast Lands, are you following Tracy on Twitter? Well, you should. So shame on you if you're not. Drew, where can Tracy be found? Let's say it together. Tracy can be found where she's always been found at. That's Fountain Tracy backwards. Almost. Thank you very much, Tracy. Who's next? Next, we have Andy Parkinson. Hi, Andy. Andy says, Hi, gang. So here we are at the start of the Jodie era, and what an opener. Jodie gives a manic, breathless performance and reminds Andy very much of Peter Davison's Dr. Leon. Would you care to comment? I need to see more of her. I, I'm. Oh, that's, that's a super interesting comparison. I 
feel like I should have pre-read this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I don't know. I don't know. I will think about it, Andy. I I give you my word as a gentleman. I will think about it, and if I remember, I will address it the next time. In the meantime, Andy continues. Tosin Cole is okay as Ryan, but I won't warm to his character for a few stories yet. However, Andy says Mandip Gill is wonderful as Yaz. She's my favorite companion of the era, and she gets a great start here. Andy continues, Sharon D. Clark is wonderful as Grace. She is so warm and lovely, and it makes the tragedy of her death all the more heartbreaking. Is she the actual woman who fell to earth the story is named after? Ooh. What? I never even thought. Holy that. smokes. Yikes. Wait, is your. Did, did this just blow your mind the same way it did mine? Yeah. Yeah, it did. This, oh. is, this is a good man goes to war all over again. And oh I... my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> oh my Andy, word. well done. Well done. Huh, the biggest surprise for Andy wasn't that, apparently. It was Bradley Walsh. Hmm. When Andy heard he was going to be in it, Andy thought it would be a bad bit of stunt casting. How wrong was Andy? Andy <laughs> instantly believed he was Graham, and at no point in his run on the show does that change. Andy also provides a list of likes. First like, the show looks great. Wonderful cinematography and impressive effects. I particularly like the electric space octopus thing. Next like, the music is impressive, sympathetic, and never intrusive. Next like, the dialogue when the Doctor recalls her family. Very similar to the Doctor's conversation with Victoria. I've kind of forgotten that, Andy, uh, but I will take your word for it. And Andy's final like is the Doctor mispronouncing Simshar's name. Made him lol. Yeah, me as well. <laughs> Andy has also provided a list of boofs. First, and it turns out only boof. <laughs> The Doctor makes a new Sonic in the garage. I know the Doctor is very clever, but no, just no. Andy wraps up. Overall, it's a cracking start to Jodie's era. The story is basically a Predator clone. Yeah. But it's done well. The new companions are all pretty good, and Grace's death is heartbreaking. With some good dialogue and funny lines, it's a brilliant start. And Andy was this story 4.0 self-help apps out of 5. Nice. Very nice. Well done. Oh, People who are not Andy... You know what to do. Fear not. You can find his huge heart all over the interwebs. Mm, and it is huge. Where upon the interwebs might they find it? They can find it beating and tweeting at Caffrey's 71. Uh, that's 71. The number. <laughs> that's 71. The Caffrey's. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Andy. Excellent stuff. Who's next? Ooh. I believe we have a... <laughs> yes, Leon. Just for who's next? <laughs> That's all right. Oh, well done. <laughs> Hello. Uh, welcome to the fold, Just For Who. <laughs> Very happy to be traveling down this temporal road with you. What did Just For Who say? Just For Who begins, appropriately enough. Hello. Hello. So, I don't have Twitter, but I've been so excited for Who Back When to get up to Jodie Whittaker's era. Yes. I've been dying to hear your thoughts on it all. Mm. Because upon rewatching, I found it to be more and more enjoyable than popular, <laughs> I know. And would love to know how you feel. 
For me, says Joss Who, the woman who fell to earth was an amazing season opener. It had everything that a Doctor Who season opener should have, except for a title sequence. Although I did find that there was an unnecessary amount of character deaths. Big blue teeth face man, old Tim Shaw, that's his name, killed not one, not two, not three, but four innocent people because he's a big baddie. What was his motive? Kill Carl, which he failed to do. Thanks, Doc. On the plus side, with that tooth collection, he'd be a dentist's dream. <laughs> or their biggest competitor. <laughs> yeah. Just for who continues, aside from that, Jodie was brilliant. I felt she really fell, wink, 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 into the role immediately and took it as her own. Agreed. The relationships and interactions between the characters felt genuine and Grace's death sets up a lovely season arc about the different dynamics of family life and love. It's a shame Ryan never carried on with a, with his YouTube channel, could have vlogged the universe before it all disappeared post-flux. Or is that all fixed now? Explain, chibs. <laughs> ah, see, so they have to be called fam because this family thing is the whole season arc. Oh, it's, I like that, actually. It's not the Daleks or the Cybermen, it's family. Oh, okay, I could get on board. And Just For Who is launching their own segment of Best Bit and Worst Bit. Mm, I like it. It's just for who's best bit. It's just for who's worst bit. <laughs> best bit. 13's first scene. Worst bit. Tim Shaw's tooth fetish. <laughs> nice. Very nice. We'll work on this before the next episode, just for who. Fred not, you will get a jingle before very, very long. <laughs> and it will be a just for you. <laughs> So how does Just For Who rate this, Drew? Just For Who rates it 4.0 out of 5. Nice. Here's our friend who agrees with Andy. (laughs) Excellent. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, Just For Who, thank you very much for sending in that mini. Absolutely thrilled to be traveling down this temporal road with you. Who's next? (laughs) (laughs) Next, we've got Daniel McKinley. Daniel! Hello, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Daniel starts. So, we have a new doctor, new companions, and new writers. Beginning of a new era. Should be exciting, right? Oh, dear. (gasps) Do I detect a voice of dissent? Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Daniel McGinley continues ominously with some thoughts. Is this the first episode without a title sequence? No, Daniel McGinley. That would be Sleep No More. Oh, really? Wait, was that the first one? Yes. Oh, interesting. Next thought in this list. Did the Doctor literally fall to the Earth from space without any injuries? Are we letting that pass? And build a sonic screwdriver with, um, uh, things in just a couple of minutes? With no alien crystals? (laughs) (laughs) Uh... I'm prepared, by the way, sorry, tangent, I'm prepared to let the fall from Earth slide, even though I probably would have liked it addressed, only because we had Tennant's hand get cut off and regrow. Yeah, and her cells are reordering and so on. Exactly. really, if anything's going to get damaged in this collision, it's probably the Earth. Yeah, or the train at least. Well, yeah, I mean, the train (laughs) did pick up some damage. (laughs) And speaking of the train, Daniel liked the scene on the train where she finds out she's a woman. Why are you calling me madam? Oh, yeah. Next up, the ball of string creature brought back unwanted memories of the scribble monster in Fear Her. <laughs> Shudder. Oh, Daniel, what a memory. Nice. There's my friend who agrees with me. I thought That's I'd be the right. only one. 
I'm not special. Nobody's looking for me. <laughs> the teeth in the face was probably a good idea. On paper. Oh, nice. Tim Shaw is a really underwhelming villain, more suited to Red Dwarf than Doctor Who. Don't let Rory hear you say that. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> continues Daniel suggestively, it's a one-off appearance. <laughs> Definitely not one we want to see again, especially not in a season finale. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Seems like you'd fit right in here, Daniel. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Next up, Daniel says... Fam, enough already. And one man's impressive music, sympathetic and never intrusive, is another man's proper soundtrack has been abandoned in favour of a relaxing sounds for concentration playlist, which undercuts any tension. Come back, Murray Gold. All is forgiven. Next up, Graham aside, the characters are uninteresting and the new companions are surely the blandest ever. And Daniel seems to be starting his own count, a moralising lecture count. So far, one. (laughs) Love it. I'm hoping that you will keep this up, Daniel. Uh, Daniel concludes with a rating of... Aside from a few nice lines, this is generally pretty poor. Lacking in excitement or invention. The Doctor is the best thing in it, but it just doesn't feel like Doctor Who. It could easily be a sci-fi heavy episode of Holby City or some other BBC Sunday night drama. And <laughs> Daniel gives this... 2065. <laughs> I'd watch... I would a million percent watch that. <laughs> and Daniel gives this what, Drew? 1.8 out of 5. Amazing. Amazing, Daniel. Thank you very much. That is a fantastic mini. Who's next? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, next. It's Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? What's up, Kieran? Oh. Kieran begins. Hi, folks. Oh, this is a complicated narrative oh. device. I love it. Past Kieran says, Hey, Kieran, remember to rewatch this ep in good time so you don't have to rush to watch and review it in time before the gang do their ep on it. Current Kieran at the at 9pm the day before the advertised recording days and with a busy day in the lab the next day. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and it's a long one. <laughs> anyway, to the ep in hand. So Kieran seems to remember liking this on transmission three and a half years ago. <laughs> and now, yes, yeah, still do. Nice. So we meet our soon-to-be TARDIS crew fairly quickly and get a decent bit of characterization. If I'm being mean, probably most we get out of them. And lol, at Yaz trying to pull rank on the Doctor. It's not going to work. <laughs> Kieran kind of digs Jodie and Capaldi's clothes more than her clothes at the end. Yeah, agreed. And the idea of the Doctor making a sonic screwdriver from scratch is nice, even if I'm not so keen on the final design. Nice. Yes. Ditto. Also, the design of gas cylinder she's using is all wrong. She opens it on the top, but it clearly has a spindle valve on the side. (laughs) I love it. Kieran continues, ah, and we have our evil demonic tooth fairy trying to be the predator. He's quite fun as a one-off villain. What? Oh? Uh? (laughs) The number of points that are getting repeated and the the jokes that we've made that aren't original is... I feel like that just that is a, a nice testament to the fact that we all have quite a lot in common. Yeah, yeah. We'd get along in a bar. We definitely would. Yeah. And Kieran concludes, as openers go, it's a fairly strong one for me. Nothing really wrong for me. Not having an opening title sequence is a little strange, though, and maybe the last 10 minutes could have been condensed. 3.8 out of 5 teeth trophies. Nice. That is an excellent rating. That is a most triumphant rating. 
Yeah. Cool cliffhanger, concludes Kieran. Oh, fantastic stuff. Thank you very much, Kieran. Uh, people of Podcastland who are unfortunate enough not to be Kieran Evans, please do follow Kieran on Twitter. He can be found uh, where, Drew? He can be found at KJEvans2. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kieran. Who's <laughs> last? <laughs> Oh, you beat me to it. Well done. Uh, well, next up, last up, we've got Maxwell Rayner. Hello. I believe Max is a new reviewer. <laughs> see, now you seem out of sync with me. I mean, it cuts both ways, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> Hello, says Maxwell Rayner. Hello to you. Hello to you as well. This is my first Who Back When review, so hang tight. Ooh, strapping in for this one. Max starts, oh boy, was this episode chaotic. I mean, an episode with no TARDIS and no intro theme. The Sonic made from spoons. The smile she had, though, when looking at the spoon. And the nose thing with the fainting. Oh, we didn't talk about that. That was great. Tim Shaw, Tim Shaw, Tim Shaw. That is what annoyed me the most. Them climbing the crane seemed to remind me of Clara and the Eleventh Doctor on the roof and the snowman. Oh, interesting. Uh, how about the Idiot's Lantern? Or, oh, yeah. what's the New York one? Daleks Take Manhattan? Evolution of the Daleks, yeah. That's the one, yeah, sorry. At least in those two, you get to see the vertiginous height that the Doctor is up in the air. If you watch True. this episode back, all the shots of them on the crane are below or swooping from their level downwards. You never get a shot from above them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we never get that vertigo scene. Yeah, and I was waiting for that. The closest you get is someone's on a ladder, maybe Ryan, and you're looking down at the top of his head. And of course, you can't see the ground and how distant it is. And I was waiting for that. I thought I thought they were saving it up. And it'd be like, there you go. Woof. There but might you- be that scene when he loses the torch, but they never, they don't do anything with it. Like, they don't linger on it. Yeah, and it's just a torch falling, and it's falling into the dark, so... Whatever. Yeah. Also, I wonder if Tim Shaw, Tim Shaw, Tim Shaw annoyed all the Chinese viewers of Doctor Who or people with Chinese names the oh. most. I mean, imagine if you've got a name that sounds a bit like Sim Shah and people do this to you all day long, your whole life, and then suddenly it appears in Doctor yeah, Who. Yeah, that's probably not a, <laughs> not a huge positive. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Anyway, Maxwell continues... And then finally, she says, I'm the Doctor. Freaking 50 minutes into the episode. <laughs> I can just imagine Nardole saying, hey, we got there. <laughs> I would have loved that. <laughs> Casual death. And then YouTube part two. Outfit oh, yeah. reveal. Space floating cliffhanger ending. And then all the guest stars reveal. Not where I thought you were going with this, Maxwell. This episode was a banger. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And with that, I give this episode a 2.9 out of 5 bicycle riding attempts that they will never return to in the future. Indeed. But they will return to that location. Oh, will they? They will. Oh, I've forgotten that. And Maxwell concludes, Tim Shaw! Hope to be back with N146, the Ghost Monument. Oh, please do come back. Maxwell Rayner. Max! Can I call you Max? Uh, welcome aboard. It's so happy to be traveling down this temporal road with you. This is super exciting. Please keep um coming. Yeah, and Maxwell has already established themselves as the king of segues into what's up next. <gasps> 
Well, <laughs> next up in the New Who channel, as Max has very astutely alluded to, we have the Ghost Monument. Before then, we will probably be delving into Classic Who, though, Drew. What will that be? Resurrection of the Daleks. Still haven't watched it. Cannot wait. I've now heard, by the way, I've heard both great and terrible <laughs> in reference to it. Genuinely cannot wait. Either way, it sounds like one of those epochal ones. Yeah, d- certainly. Like a doctor defining one. At some point, most likely, you and I are going to be looking at some audio who as well. What would that be? That would be the reaping. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to listen to it before I look at it. <laughs> Same. And in the bonus channel, we're probably going to... Encounter the Fifth Doctor's retrospective first. That's right. Although, fret not podcast land, lots of you have sent in recordings for our upcoming audiobooks as well, or audio adventures as well. Fret not, they are going to happen. There's just, there's so much work around it. So bear with us, bear with us. But yeah, after that, Colin Baker. I know. <sighs> and after Met that, him. <laughs> you know who comes after that? So, uh, where can you find us online in the interim before all those solid gold future apps? Leon, you're on Twitter, right? I am indeed, yes. Um, peeps, please feel free to say hello to me online. High five me at Ponken, P O N K E N. And I will high five you right back. What about you, Drew? I can be found very, very occasionally tweeting at Drew Backwear. Ooh, excellent branding. Thanks very much. I should make more use of it. I did all. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening to our review of this episode, possibly for a second time. Yeah. Until the next time, Podcast Land, be good citizens and responsible and lovely people, and cha-chao. <laughs> Peeps, bring it in. I want to give all of you a gigantic hug. Oh, oh that was a good hug. Until the next time, toodle pip. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?